welcome to The Insatiable Appetite. My name is Abby Cullinan, and I'm talking today with my Hartman colleague, Renee Wheeler. Renee, thank you for joining me. Hi, Abby. Thanks for having me. Today, we're discussing one of the top questions we're fielding as consultants to the food and beverage industry, and that's how the impacts of the COVID-19 crisis will compare with what we saw during and after the Great Recession. Renee, I'm wondering if you could start by talking a bit about how you're approaching these conversations with clients. Absolutely. And first off, we're capturing a range of COVID-19 related attitudes and behaviors in our qualitative and quantitative research on an ongoing basis. Uh, but today, we're actually going to focus on four key takeaways from a report that we created back in 2011 that analyzed shifts in consumer attitudes and behaviors in the wake of the financial crisis or recession. And we're going to compare that to what we're experiencing today and how this might impact future behavior. So the first key takeaway from this report was that in the wake of the Great Recession, we saw a shift in consumer attitudes. It wasn't a fundamental shift towards anti-consumerism, but a more pronounced expression of frugality, you you know, driven by both that real need and a personal and cultural anxiety. Yeah, that's such a great place to start because we're really seeing personal and cultural anxiety return but it's emerged more quickly and encompasses a broader set of concerns than what we saw with the Great Recession, which was more focused on financial stability. Today's consumers are worried about personal and public health. Uh, They're also worried about their community's ability to adapt and care for those that are most affected. And consumers are making choices differently. So it's not just an income limitation, you know, although that's a reality for a large and growing group right Mm -hmm. now, uh, but also limitations imposed by safety concerns, store inventory, a surge in demand for delivery and online options, and the impact on frontline workers at essential businesses, such as just having less staff available. For sure. Those short-term realities are really important to understand. And we also want to look at kind of the long-term impacts of some of this. With the Great Recession, it was a defining experience for millennials, and it influenced their attitudes about inequality, uh, their trust in the financial system, and the prospect of their personal financial stability. So longer term, when we look at COVID-19 and our response to it, This will likely reshape attitudes around cooperation and social connection and community as well as personal wellness. And it's so interesting because it's leading in a few different directions with people simultaneously exploring how to be more self-reliant. So with home gardens, for instance, and also viewing it as a case for collective action. Mm -hmm. Really, this is um, one of the big shifts in terms of notions. And um, one of the other ones that we documented in the report on the Great Recession was about value. So this is one that's obviously really relevant to our clients. In the Great Recession, we saw a shift from this prior definition of value as some combination of price and quantity and quality and convenience to um, a consumer's conception of value that placed more emphasis on quality and was also taking into consideration experience and relevance. And so as a result, we saw consumers making cutbacks in certain categories, but allowing for some indulgences in others. How do you think that lands today, Renee? 
Well, really, the fundamental components of the value equation are the same, but people's mm-hmm. lives have changed so drastically in recent weeks. Their answers to the questions of quality, relevance, and experience are very different. Mm. So, for example, we're seeing this heightened emphasis on relevance, um, particularly in regards to food waste. So, not only are consumers beginning to think about financial savings when they can in case of economic challenges ahead, but they're focusing on making sure no food goes to waste because they're trying to just simply reduce the number of trips they take to the store. Um, it also appears consumers are placing a greater importance on experience. So, for example, they're turning more to those nostalgic, indulgent, and comfort foods just to make them feel well, at least mentally. Certainly. And one of the biggest differences we see when we compare with the last recession is the sheer amount of compromises and trade offs being made right now due to availability. So, at least in the short term, Uh, People are buying what they can get versus what they believe represents the best value. So that's good to keep in mind. Absolutely. Our third takeaway from the report on the Great Recession was that we observed consumers training down, out, and even up based on the cultural and practical relevance of categories and brands. Where that cultural and practical relevance was weaker, categories and brands were more vulnerable to cutbacks and lower price trade-offs. But those that tapped into more savoring eating occasions and embodied those contemporary notions of quality and value could actually command a premium. Yeah, and this is one of those takeaways that we can look at in the short and long term as well. So short term, the disruptions are really hitting smaller, more premium brands hard in addition to bigger companies. But again, we see non-premium brands and less relevant categories as still at risk over the long term. Uh, The brands and foods that people associate with times of financial strain that they for instance, had to buy at one point in their lives, that can have pretty lasting negative associations. And in addition, uh, we think a period of having to take what you can get in terms of what's available in the store will likely create a feeling of enjoyment and appreciation as the brands they believe in return to the shelves. So that's something we're watching. Um, And as you mentioned, consumers are still seeking comfort and connection through this crisis. So that is similar to the recession. But um, we also see this crisis centering on health concerns. So we're watching the food as medicine trend very closely. And we're seeing consumer behaviors and CPG brands engaging in this space to a new degree. So we expect to see more democratization of that trend. Yes. And another thing to watch, you know, we're seeing all of these stories from retailers, chefs, restaurateurs and manufacturers about how they're continuing to provide food and doing so safely during the shutdown. Consumers want to know that companies are taking care of their employees. You know, they want to know that they have paid time off if they're sick, health benefits, they're taking safety precautions and that they're taking care of their local uh, community. So, for example, donating to local food banks or supporting restaurants. Now, these conversations may well shape consumer perceptions far beyond the current crisis in terms of both their overall interest in these areas and their feelings about specific companies. Absolutely. That brings us to the topic of retailers, and it's a really interesting one that we explored in 2011. 
At that time, we saw consumer shopping patterns reflecting a combination of traditional thrifting behaviors like coupon cutting, as well as a reassessment of really what constitutes a well-shopped bargain. And so we saw things like shopping with greater frequency to prevent waste and stretch those budgets, as well as shopping multiple retailers and channels because they were determining which ones provided the best value. And that determination was happening on a category by category basis. This is something that at least in the near term just looks totally different today. Yes, that's correct, Abby. In the current moment, there's a lot of risk associated with cross-channel shopping. Consumers today are willing to make those concessions on price and availability if that means being able to make a single shopping trip instead of several. And they also may be inclined to prioritize the stores that seem safest to them. So the ones that are cleaning their carts, they're providing hand sanitizer, they're limiting the number of people in store, etc. So even if it otherwise wouldn't be their main store. Now, what we've also found from our recent U.S. grocery shopper trends, COVID-19 tracker that we're conducting in partnership with FMI, is that shopping trips have become much more functional. They want to get in, they want to get out, and there's a lot less browsing taking place. Shoppers tend to say they're going to fewer stores, they're spending more money, and they're getting their trips done faster. For the most part, consumers really appreciate what their store is doing for customers and employees. But on the other hand, they're not as happy with other shoppers, uh, you know, particularly those who might stand too close or are hoarding supplies like toilet paper. Oh, for sure. And that's something that will drive people away from the brick and mortar shop. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing online shopping become much more prominent uh, I think, in fact, in the report, we saw 20% reported using online grocery shopping for the first time that they can remember. And then for many others, it's probably the first time they're purchasing fresh produce and meat and bakery mm-hmm. items. So long term, we think cross shopping will still have value to consumers. It's likely to return. But e-commerce is probably going to see a permanent bump in its share of grocery spend if stores can solve the logistical problems that they're currently encountering. Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Abby. And thank you so much for having me with you today to talk about this important topic. Um, Thank thank you, Renee. Thank you to everyone who's listening today. And if you'd like to learn more about the Hartman Group's research efforts around COVID-19, please reach out anytime. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you.